Hello, Patriots pals, Foxborough friends, football freaks, and, and gridiron geeks. Welcome back to another episode of New England Training Camp Live via the Odyssey Sports Network. I'm your host, Nick Fitzy Stevens. It's a pleasure to be back with you guys once again on the show. On today's program, we will discuss my experience being at the Patriots in stadium practice as part of training camp 2021 last Friday night. I had the good fortune of serving as the in stadium MC for the festivities. So I got a good first hand look at the Patriots in shells practicing and or playing against each other in front of fans who are welcomed back to their Mecca, their cathedral, their football stadium for the first time. In 580 days, over 20,000 people at Gillette Stadium Friday night for the practice, and it was a fantastic take. And I have some thoughts and feelings on many players on offense and defense, including you-know-who and the new guy who are vying for the job and role of QB1 for the Patriots. We'll also be joined in a few minutes by my guy, my buddy, my dear friend, Mike Deuce Dusso. Of course, he started one of the greatest, I'd say probably the greatest Patriots blog in history, uh, patspropaganda.com. He now works for state media, as we like to joke. He works for patriots.com. He's a writer, content producer, and host down there. Mike's going to join us and catch us up to date on what's gone on over the weekend. We'll talk some injuries, the QB competition, and more. And then we'll wrap up with a little roast, a love tap, uh, and some words of appreciation for some Hall of Fame members, particularly one who was a thorn in our side for two decades and gave us some of the greatest QB adversarial competition ever, of course, the one and only Peyton Manning, who was enshrined last night in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Side note, man, that must be a giant bust. Peyton in that, in that forehead? All right, see, we, we, only, we only roast the ones we love. Am I right? Am I right, Producer Spaz? Don't say anything if you agree. All right, perfect. All right, so Friday night at Gillette, at the Razor, what was it like? Here are some initial thoughts, feelings, and observations I have. First of all, how it was just so great to be back in the stadium and to see fans back where they belong. There was energy from other people. Last year, I worked all the home games hosting a sort of streaming pregame show for season ticket holders, and it was whatever came across the screen in terms of just like the emptiness and that hollow feeling of a game going on with the synthesized audio of the crowd and you being able to hear the players, which was kind of cool sometimes, but just missing the energy, the 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 buzz, the din, the, the roar, the cheers, the boos and jeers, just to actually have fans back cheering and clapping and shouting and hearing them, you know, go crazy for Cam and his sideline energy and his dancing and the love they showed for Mac Jones, just the general appreciation of being back in the stadium and paying, you know, 13 bucks for a Bud Light and $9 for a hot dog. Good gracious, there was just so much joy. Uh, side note to the guy that I saw walk in wearing the half-stitched together Tom Brady Patriots jersey and Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey. Get that ish out of here. Don't you dare. There were a couple people that were wearing Buccaneers Brady jerseys. Okay, you could still be wearing those in protest. You could still be wearing those because you want to get noticed and you think it's kind of cool and trendy. But this guy, I put him on my Instagram stories at FitzyGFY. I put him... I put them on and I just, I can't believe that somebody would do that. Somebody would wear, wear that trash. Somebody would spend the time making that. This was the only drawback I had to the night. And I just wanted to get it off my chest one more time. That was absurd. Everything else, even the interception Cam Newton threw in the practice game between the blues and the whites as he battled quote unquote opposite Mac Jones. Even that was fine and dandy. These are the growing pains. This is part of putting the team together 
and you know finding out who your best option is under center and at every position because the Patriots look to have at least 10 new starters out of 22 this season which is incredible after their uncharacteristically aggressive offseason um but the fans were back they were so appreciative they were awesome um it was really a slap and tickle if anything it's sort of like they're just you know it's a quintessential Belichickian, you know, working out all three phases of the game. You know, we got to get better. <clears throat> oh, you know, doing this and doing that. Special teams, quarterback, we're, you know, constantly evaluating all the positions and everything. So that's a little more sling blade than it is Belichick, if you'll forgive me. It's a tough guy to impersonate. Um, but great fans. Uh, the players were jazzed to see fans back there. They were having a ton of fun together. Now, in terms of the actual players themselves, because I was uh, behind them doing the, uh, I was sort of calling the game as it went along, explaining how things progressed for the fans. First thing I noticed, holy smokes, literally the worst position room in the NFL over the last two years, the tight end room after Gronk retired and then ultimately made his way to Tampa Bay, to Champa Bay. Uh, I always have to say that. Sorry, still gets under my skin just a little bit. Uh, the tight ends are monsters. Wow. Jonu Smith, He's the real deal. He made some spectacular catches on the receiving end of Mac Jones. Woo! Mac Jones to Jonu Smith is gonna be a thing. I mean, Cam Jones to Jonu Smith is... Cam, Cam Jones. See, I've fused the two of them together. <laughs> Mac Newton, Cam Jones. If we could only have the, the brain, like the, the, the football mind of Mac Jones and the, and the body and the physical tools of Cam Newton, this team would be unstoppable. Um, yeah, I mean, Mac threw some dimes to Jonu Smith. He is an athletic freak. He's a, he's a virtual X-man. And if he can stay healthy, he is going to be a massive difference maker for the Patriots. Also, Hunter Henry, I met Gronk years ago. You know, I watched every game Gronk was in, and I, I filmed a commercial with him a couple years ago, and I was just stunned at what an absolute brohemoth he was. Hunter Henry, also a complete brohemoth. Uh, just a giant human... No wonder why he's got like such a great catch rate, because he presents such an enormous radius and such a giant target. Uh, it's such a huge improvement over what they had last year and the year before that you can only think, even though they spent $12.5 million on each of the guys, they're both going to make a massive impact. The linebackers, Dante Hightower, looks fit as can be. He's super excited to be back out there. Van Noy looks all jazzed up and ready. They're in midseason form already. And, and they do also both look a little quicker and a little slimmed down, which is impressive. Uh, but the speed and the power and the size at linebacker, again, another positional group that the Patriots were hurting at last year big time. It was Jawan Bentley, Therese Hall, Tayshawn Bauer, and, you know, and then a, a little contribution here from Winovich and a little something from Uche there. Now you bring, in, you bring back all these Super Bowl champs and these studs, and suddenly Jawan Bentley, he's an add-on and a value piece. Suddenly, you know, Matt Judon is eating up lanes and getting after the QB, which frees up Uche to rush afterwards. Winovich is making progress. I think he's going to make the team and make an impact as well. Uh, the receivers, we actually have speed at the wide receiver position. Who knew? You're actually allowed to have that. Nelson Aguilar, he is quick AF. Jacoby Myers, uh, I like to call him the, the discount Slim Reaper because, to me, he does all the same things that Heisman winner Devonta Smith does just with about, you know, two or three one-hundredths of a second shaved off of his 40 time, but um, great, made some nice catches as well. He was vibing with the team beautifully. Uh, Damian Harris, the RB1 of the Patriots, is a monster. Holy leg day, Batman. Like, the whole joke of, like, can't spell legendary without leg day, bro. He, a quadzilla, like Saquon Barkley is. My God. Uh, if he can stay healthy, if, they can, if he can be on the field and switch out some reps every now and again with Sony Michelle, man, that's going to be one of the 10 best RB one-two punches in the NFL. He looks dynamite. Uh, Jake Bailey looks like a cheat code. 
not only is he a giant human being, I've never seen somebody punt the ball higher or further in my life. It just, the ball just blasts. It explodes off of his foot when he kicks. No wonder why Belichick got rid of a punter who could have been the MVP of Super Bowl 53 in favor of Jake Bailey. Kid is an absolute stud. Uh, I'd say best punter in the NFL. You know how Bill Belichick loves punters and, you know, years ago wrote a 10-minute love letter to the Rams punter, Johnny Hecker. He loves him so much and how much he values special teams as well. Uh, Just enormous. But also on the kicking front, this kid, Quinn Norton, interesting, interesting, interesting guy because the Patriots have, first, I would argue, they seem pretty set at the kicking position because they're bringing back my guy, Big Kick Nick, on a $1.35 million deal. Uh, Nick Folk, only guy in the NFL last year to make two 50-yard-plus game-winning field goals in the NFL. So it seemed like his position was pretty set and secure. However, here comes uh, a Jake Bailey type in Quinn Norton, an undrafted free agent kicker out of Michigan with an absolute howitzer for a leg. Um, Nick Folk's had a shaky start to camp. Uh, Who knows, maybe if he's injured or if he just hasn't rounded into form. He's got plenty of combined practices with the Giants and the Eagles, not to mention the three pretend football games coming up. And I think he's going to end up in a battle. I honestly think this is going to be a legitimate competition between Folk and Norton because this dude can absolutely hammer the ball. And if the Patriots went with him and kept him on the active 53, if he beats out Nick Folk, he'll keep the Patriots streak alive, which goes back, I think, all the way to 2014 of an undrafted free agent making the Patriots every season. They only signed one undrafted free agent this year. They were so happy with the roster and had brought in so many Udfas in recent years. Uh, and it was Quinn Norton, the kicker out of Michigan. I think this kid's got a shot. He made all nine field goals in the in-stadium practice game routine that the Pets put together on Friday night, including 55, 56, I think in 57 yards or 55 and 57 yards. Just absolute cannon for a leg. Uh, looks like he's ready for the moment. So, a little something to keep your eye on. Uh, Cam Newton, jazzed up, super energetic, looking a little slimmer than last year, really fit. Again, they were in shells, not full pads, but um, active, engaged, fun-loving. Boy, do the fans love him. I, I want it to work out so badly, but I'll tell you, Mac Jones, whoo, you can't convince me. You can't tell me. I would never buy into the idea that this kid's a rookie and that he only played 18, 19 games in college. He looks like a savvy, seasoned veteran he looks like he's been out there for a while he's he i mean he has been playing football since he was seven eight years old of course but it looks like an absolute natural a total pro out there cam's in for a battle and we'll get mike dussault's perspective on this since he's been down at all the patriots practices and doing write-ups and sharing thoughts and observations in just a second but to me it's a win-win for the patriots as people like to criticize the pats qb room and oh they won't get any good quarterback play this year i mean how good can Cam really be? And even if they put in Mac Jones, he's a rookie. He's bound to fail. He's going to have his bumps and bruises. Sure. But if Mac Jones continues to push Cam Newton to be the best Cam he can be, and Bill Belichick goes with Cam Newton, who he said is our starting quarterback, time and again, guess what? Pats have a pretty good quarterback under center who's experienced, Heisman winner, national champion, been to a Super Bowl, MVP, and is looking to reestablish himself. That's a win to me. And if Mac Jones beats him out, then that means Mac Jones beats out the resume that I just read off and has convinced Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick and Burge and everyone else down there in Foxborough, Gerard Mayo, Matt Patricia, all his teammates who say he's got swag and he's got incredible veteran poise and leadership for somebody his age. And that means they have a really young, sharp hotshot at quarterback. Future's bright either way, guys. Pats fans, take heart. 
the quarterback position is going to be way better than last year heading into 2021. And I can not wait. All right, let's bring in our guest right now. We're going to talk some recent injuries with the Patriots, some more observations from Friday and everything else going on. Joining us now here on New England Training Camp Live on Odyssey Sports, my guy, the Deuce from Patriots.com and Patriots Unfiltered, Mike Dussault. What up, Deuce? What's up, Fitzy? Oh, my gosh, it worked. The technology. We've had some issues. There have been a couple of bugs and bumps along the way to putting this together, but... We finally have, much like the Patriots, mostly everything figured out, and I'm psyched that you're here with us today, guy. Um, were you able now? Uh, were you able to hear my uh, opening 12 minute ramble jamble, my little uh, monologue as you were waiting to join the show? I wasn't, but I'm sure I agree with everything you said. A hundred percent, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, buddy. That was Mike Dussault. Um, uh, I was just talking about Friday night and the things that caught my eye at the in-stadium practice. Um, game, if you will, between the, the blues and the whites. Um, the first thing that struck me that I was talking about was just like the the sheer size and physicality uh, of some of these new guys they brought in. Like, you don't realize how physically gifted and how ginormous guys like Matt Judon, uh, Jonu Smith, and Hunter Henry are until you stand like 20, 30 feet away from them. And how could we, any of us in the media or as fans or both, because we weren't allowed back in the stadium. So fans are back for the first time in 580 days. We're down there making our observations. This team has upgraded in size and athleticism spectacularly. Yeah, I think that's what jumps out to me. You know, we can talk about Cam versus Mac, all that stuff. But I think the bottom line that you kind of take away is this is going to be a big physical football team on both sides of the ball. And you know, for all the, the side stories and the hot takes and all that, I think that's kind of the reality of, of it all is that they've got a stable of running backs, they've got a bunch of tight ends, they've got an experienced offensive line, and, and what they didn't have last year was an experienced defensive front. And between bringing Judon in, getting Hightower and Van Noy back, bringing Godshaw in, Henry Anderson in, Lawrence Guy coming back, Dietrich Wise coming back, uh, they've got a lot of big guys up front. So I think that that's the big thing. This is going to be a big physical Patriots team. Uh, as for the rest, that, that, that remains to be seen how, how the rest of it's going to come together, though. Yeah, uh, I'm just like looking at last year's team, which just looked like it was, you know, called together from Patriots of old, spare parts. It was in a lot of ways a waiver wire team. I was talking about, I, I'm sure that you have, I, it, it really was. It was, it was, it was like, it was like somebody flushed your fantasy team down the toilet and you literally had to put together an entire squad on waivers in a lot of ways. I mean, look how the Patriots makeshifted their way into a roster and Belichick had to constantly adjust it throughout the year last year. Like you had guys like Carl Davis and Tayshawn Bauer and Therese Hall and uh, all these other, like, like the Red Sox had starters. None of the starters last year for the Sox were on the team. And a lot of these guys obviously won't be on the Pats this year. Um, but the, the physicality is back. The tight ends, too, like Hunter Henry. I didn't know this guy. Like, he's, I mean, he doesn't move like Gronk. He's not Gronk. And I don't want anyone to compare Mac to Brady. And I don't want anyone to compare Hunter to Gronk. But these, I mean, just as a giant human being. What do you think about the linebackers? Um, they, look, they look quick. They look fit. And it, again, here's another positional group, Deuce, that is just going to be like night and day compared to last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just getting Hightower back, I think that that's a huge 
first key and then, you know, to add Van Noy and, and Judon into it. So I think I think you're pretty set, you know, with those mm-hmm. top three guys. I think for me the question is, you know, especially with Hightower and, and Van Noy getting up there in age a little bit, you know, can, how much can they squeeze out of these guys and how much do we have to lean on to them? And I think they could really benefit from, you know, getting big contributions from Uche or from Chase Winovich once he, you know, gets back off of PUP. Uh, Anthony Jennings. I, I think that there's some potential there. I think that they could be a very good defense just leaning into Hightower, Van Noy, and Judon. But I think for them to really hit their potential, some of those young guys got to step up. And I, and I would say especially on third down, you know, that's kind of the young man's down where you need guys who are all energy and just, you know, and, and that, that's what we've seen out of Chase and Uche at the very least that we know that they can, you know, go forward, get after the quarterback. So I think those guys are still going to be critical even though you brought – in a new veteran and, and brought back those two other guys. What about what have you seen out of Barmore during the first two weeks down in Foxborough? Yeah, I, I like him, man. I, I yesterday, I mean, look, there's only been three padded practices, so evaluating defensive linemen is a little bit tough. But yesterday, they had some one-on-one drills, and he's a load. I mean, he's tough for anybody to handle. I saw Shaq Mason, you know, do everything he could to to, to deal with Barmore. I think he's big. He's powerful. I think he's got a good motor. Uh, for him, I, I think he could probably step right in and, and play that kind of third down interior pass rusher role that, that Adam Butler did uh, so capably the last couple of seasons. But I think his ceiling is determined. You know, the Patriots, they love to have their big boys up front do that two gapping and, you know, hold up and basically just hold your ground against blockers. And Barmore has the size and, and the strength to do that, but I think it's a kind of a technique issue that you need to really learn how to do it. Doing it in Alabama is one thing, but doing it against NFL offensive linemen is another. But I think there's a lot to like about Barmore. I think he's got a, a, a really high ceiling uh, if he's able to put it together. And, and even if he doesn't, I think he'll, he'll contribute pretty pretty soon right out of the gate. Yeah, Adam Butler was great, and I always appreciated him because he was uh, he, he was either seventh round or was he one of the many undrafted free agents that yeah, made the team? Undrafted. Guy, uh, so yeah, yeah, he's one of the undrafted. Yeah, that they've been so incredibly adept at finding, and I think they may have found another one. We'll get to that in a second. Um, Butler was great. Maybe just maybe Christian Barmore will be what they had wanted Dominique Easley to be so long ago, which is someone who can hold his ground, but somebody who can also just absolutely crash and crush that pocket. Uh, He only played 50 some odd percent of the downs last year in Alabama, but came on like a freight train at the end of the year and then just absolutely dominated the national. You thought Mac, I mean, Devonta Smith with 220 yards receiving and three touchdowns in the first half. Okay. That's dominating the national championship, but Barmore was a monster on that field. I can't wait to – I just love the fact that the, everything that is so, like, unsexy to the age of fantasy football and DFS is what this team is going to be all about, Deuce, which is stout defense, linebackers, coverage, running, and blocking. You know what I mean? Belichick fundamentals, oh, baby. There they are. I oh, love ready. it. <laughs> oh, bathe me in it. Inject it into my veins. Tell me all about it. Whisper it into my ear like it's ASMR. I love it. Um, <laughs> but we, now we got off talking about. We kicked off Mike talking about uh, tight ends and linebackers. But unfortunately, there's been the injury bug has come to Foxborough a bit early this season. Uh, over the weekend, the Pats put. My guy, Dalton Keene, who we've seen sadly nothing out of since he was drafted in the third round last year, uh, and Raekwon McMillan, the free agent from Miami, who was turning heads and making, by all accounts, 
a really positive impression and could have possibly cracked this deep linebacking core. Uh, he tore his ACL. That's the second ACL tear for him, so he's out for the year. And what did Keen go out for the season with? I, You know, he was in recovery all off season when we saw him at mini camp he you know spent most of the opening on the bike always had a a sleeve on one of his legs so it seems like he's had either complications or they just see that hey we've got you know four tight ends right now that that are playing really well in camp i i I shouldn't say four yet i mean getting asiasi back i think gives you four uh with lacoste as well who's been playing really well so uh, it's unfortunate for Keen. I think he's one of the guys that has a little bit of flexibility in terms of playing some fullback and some H back, and you know the other guys are a little bigger, a little bit more traditional tight end guys. So, no question, the tight ends are going to be a big part of the offense this year. And I mean, I, I I'm just enamored with Jonu Smith. He's been the one that that's just jumped out to me. He just, and I mean, he's only 25 years old. He said that the other night after after the stadium practice. I couldn't believe the guy's only 25 years old. It just a lot of reason for optimism with him. Uh, he didn't really practice during minicamp this offseason, uh, got hurt, but he's coming on lately in camp and you know making a lot of plays. When he gets the ball in his hand, he just looks like a truck flying down the highway. Did you see that uh, at the end of the first half, um, Cam was quarterback in the whites and Mac Jones was quarterback in the blues and John o. Smith was on his team. Did you see that 30-yard rocket that Mac yep. Jones threw to the end zone and John o. Smith went up like a good foot and a half and made a leaping catch in the end zone. Oh, yeah. That, oh. that was the, if I'm allowed to say this, that was the take my breath away play of the night. That <laughs> against, was gorgeous. Non-competitive defense. <laughs> Fine. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So well, come on, like you've never been on the beach and yeah, made a beautiful pass to your buddy when you're playing ankle deep, you know, football nerf football and been like man that's a rough yeah i'm pretty proud i just uncle rico'd that beauty right there like it was a gorgeous play my problem fitzy is that i i then make the catch and then i jump into the sand and break my ribs like i did a couple weeks ago (laughs) well as long as oh that's right you did as long as you don't pull a robert edwards and basically destroy your career oh that's that's sad that's a sad one but you know what i like best though about that play was uh which is the celebration afterwards. Kendrick Bourne, big old smile on his face. It's been plastered there since the day he signed. Came up, gave Jonu the, the the jump up. So now it's I, I, that was a notable pass too. And 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 let's be honest, like even you know Max making those throws all the time, hitting guys in stride. And um, I'm just I'm just so excited to have a, a you know rookie quarterback who looks like he's a real good fit. Um, I think it'll take a little bit of time just to you know I think he's a cerebral guy and he's he's going to need experience seeing different defenses and all that. Um, but there's a lot to really like about him and see why they took him where they did. You know what I'm going to start referring to Kendrick Bourne as? And he caught some balls, too, and he, uh, Cam loves him. They've got dances and moves. Uh, Mac loves him, and he loves Mac. He's talked about Mac's swag and the fact that he's got leadership and presence, and they all loved his rookie night skit when he impersonated Cam. I'm going to start calling Kendrick Bourne Ben Carr. Now, Ben Carr, if you know the name, it's a deep reference, but if you're – a mass hole like me or Mike natively, uh, or you like ska when you were in college, he was the guy, his only job was he was the dancer on stage in the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so if, so I if Kendrick you. Bourne's role is to just be an energy guy on the sidelines and on the field for the Patriots this season, he can Ben Carr the blank out of it because he just brings good vibes. It looks like they're always ready to have fun and make plays. 
Yeah, he does. And and I think he's a guy that, you know, and he had some good catches yesterday. We know Aguilar was out of practice last night, at, at, and I thought Bourne had some, some catches. Uh, but I think he's going to be more effective when you get into real games and real game plans, and I think that they'll orchestrate getting him the ball. So, you know, if he's not blowing you away with his speed or stuff like that, oh, can he get open? I, I don't think it's going to really matter with him. I think he's going to do a lot of the stuff Edelman used to do with – you know, the end arounds, the, yep. the fly sweeps, um, the screen passes, the tunnel screens, all that kind of stuff, I think fits Kendrick Bourne really well. I think he's he's real fast when he gets the ball in his hands, and I think mm-hmm. that's when he's at his best. Got some good speed, and, uh, you know, he seems like he gets up to top speed pretty quick. What's it like 80% of his catches in the pros have either, or like it's a super, super high rate, like 70 to 80% of his catches in the pros have either gone for a first down or a touchdown. Like he's... Yeah, I- it's an it. absurdly high number. So he's got some. He's got a few drops, and that'll hey, that'll we happen. All do. Hey, we trust me. We all do, and even some of the great ones who uh, we have respected, cheered for, and worn the jerseys of in, in recent decades have had the same thing. A um, couple more for you, guy. Um, yep. uh, we don't have to do the Mac versus Cam thing. We all know what's going on. Cam looks good we- intermittently. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you want to have, if you want to offer your perfunctory. Mac versus like Cam, to. Cam versus. Oh, good, because you know what? I don't think I don't think I've I haven't actually heard that from you. So why don't you give me your take? Where are we right now in this? It's just so breathless every day. Like you know, like the two guys are landing haymakers every other day, and you know, and I, and I just, I just think it's a little bit more even, and but for different reasons. I think you know, I think Cam looks five to ten percent better than what he was last year. I think he's, he he seems to be processing things a little bit quicker. Uh, that said, there's still times when. I feel like he isn't processing things quick enough, and the accuracy is off. Uh, but he's also hit, you know, some deep balls, some beautiful throws. Had one yesterday, uh, and he, and you can't forget the element that he provides on third downs, where you know he can run, and you know and that's just something Mac doesn't do. He's got his own plays that 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 Cam can do that Mac can't do. Uh, and that said, you know, I think Mac has you know issues as well, but they're because he's a rookie. Um, and I think right out of the gate to see a guy who's you know, seems decisive and seems comfortable, especially in the pocket. I mean, I think that's what stood out to me is just to, to step right into the NFL. I mean, I you know, I haven't seen a, a ton of training camp in my three years here, but, you know, it's, I saw Jared Stidham, and I think he certainly, you know, would get times where his eyes would go on the rush and he wouldn't be able to – Matt keeps his eyes downfield. And, you know, so I think it's close. It's it's They both have positives and negatives for different reasons, but when they kind of cancel each other out, you get – two quarterbacks who are, who are roughly similar. Now, that might be a little bit of an indictment on Cam and, and a positive for Mac, but I'm still of the mind, no matter you know what I've kind of seen, I don't see how Cam Newton doesn't give you the absolute best chance to win week one. That you know That's the focus. Everyone's thought, when's Mac going to go? I just, week one, Brian Flores' defense, you're going to throw Mac Jones into those wolves? I mean, we know, Brian, you know what Brian Flores likes to do on defense and how complicated and sending guys and walking guys around and all that stuff. I mean, that just... That feels like a death sentence for Mac Jones right now. Um, but, you know, in a few weeks, he might start to get it, you know. So I still think it's kind of cam to start at the very least, but that's how I kind of see it. I just don't see it as, oh, Mac had a great day and Cam was terrible. Now Cam had a great day. It's, you know, it's, it, it's been very similar, I think, for the two guys, but for different reasons. How couldn't the competition be the best thing for both of them? That was my, that was my take before we brought you in was, yeah. look, if Mac Jones is pushing Cam 
and Belichick and McDaniel say Cam still gives us our best chance to win. That means Cam Newton is playing at a high enough level to start in the NFL, start for the Patriots, and he has been pushed to reclaim some of his greatness or has his skills and this Patriots offense and their knowledge on the sideline at his disposal. You're getting the best Cam Newton you can at the age of 32. You're getting that dog. We ain't never seen this Cam Newton. Or if Mac Jones does come from out of nowhere and, you know, not just placate the masses, but rather beat him out fair and square. That means you're getting a quarterback that was better than Cam Newton at his best when pushed by Mac Jones and someone the Patriots believe at the age of like 23 is good enough and ready enough to take the helm of one of the most complicated, intricate offenses in the NFL and play on a team that is that they just spent a quarter of a billion dollars on and is ready to compete for playoffs. Because I think this is a playoff team. I still think Buffalo squeaks out the division, but I see them as a playoff team. So those expectations are huge. I, I sure think so. I mean, they got you know a veteran team, and that's that's really what it's going to boil down to. I think is just the consistency at the quarterback position. And you know, I don't need Cam Newton to suddenly recapture his 2015 uh, you know magic. He just he just needs to be safe with the football and throw it to the open guy, you know, do the break thing, like right. know where you want to go with it post snap and, and get it there. And, you know, all the talk of his arm strength and all, I don't think it really matters. I think it's all in his head. Um, if he just is able to avoid mental mistakes and, and, you know, keep the Patriots, I mean, in position to win, they've got a, you know, some reliable running backs. Sony Michelle looks pretty good. Uh, Damian Harris looks pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they've got a good little stable of backs and, and tight ends and they should be able to, get back to dictating matchups a little bit more like they were able to do with, with Gronk and Hernandez and, you know, put some big guys on the field and say, all right, how you want to play us? Do you want to play the run or you want to play the pass? So uh, hopefully those things, like you said, bring out the best in the guys. I, I don't think anybody's under any uh, misconceptions about that. There is a training, you know, that there is a competition at the position um, and you know, you can see it on the field and, and that's, what's going to hopefully get the team ready to, to win some games this year. Yeah, Lacoste at tight end three and uh, Asiasi at tight end four, so he can still learn but occasionally get out there and make a play if the big boys get double covered uh, or are blanketed up, maybe even injured, um, is the way it should be. And that that's, you know, that way they don't get exposed and they don't get stressed because that's why you spend all that money on Smith and Henry. Um, last two from me, big guy. One, make some sense of this Nikhil Harry resurgence. And him actually, like you said, Aguilar was out yesterday. All I read and heard was, damn, girl, did you see Nikhil Harry again? Like three or four days in a row as the best-looking receiver on the field. Stronger, fitter, faster. And finally, we're seeing the big hands that made all the jump balls and caught those 50-50s in college. Um, Is he actually going to make the team and be an impact player this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to pump the brakes too much on Nikhil because I, I think he's done exactly what he's needed to do, which is stay on the field, stay healthy, and uh, and catch the ball when it's thrown in his direction. Um, but, you know, I, I would temper things a little bit of – I mean, I thought Christian Wilkerson was probably the best receiver on the field yesterday, you know, for being honest with, with the number of catches that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, I've heard I, good I things like about him and Zuber both this this. Yeah, I, I haven't seen as much out of Zuber this camp, or, or I mean, really saw a lot of Zuber in, in minicamp, and I thought he was going to be knocking on the door. I haven't really seen much from Zuber. Yeah. 
Um, but I think Wilkerson had a down day last Thursday in the rain, had some drops. You kind of wondered, all right, everybody was starting to ride this, the Wilkerson hype train at that point. And, and, but he bounced back yesterday with, without Aguilar. Um, you know, and, and, and there's no question. Nikhil had a couple highlight reel catches yesterday where, you know, over his shoulder and, you know, boxing out the back, the defensive back and, and back of him to, so that he could make the catch and, you know, going to the ground. And, you know, I just I just like to see more of what I saw last week was, was one catch where he, you know, just caught a little crossing route and ran with it upfield. And I said, geez, I don't know if I've ever seen that from Nikhil Harry making that kind of play. Usually you see him making downfield catches. There's not much yards after catch. And like you said, it's, you know, the physicality. So I think there's a spot for him on the team. I think there's a role for him on the team if they are able to work all that trade stuff out. Um, but I think if people are, are, are trying to say, oh, he's the number one receiver now, I think that that's overselling it a little bit. I think he just needs to do what he's been doing, stay consistent, catch the ball when it's thrown his way, and, and see how things progress. But, you know, to this point, I've seen, you know, a solid guy who, who could have a role, not necessarily uh, a number one or two receiver who's going to elevate the offense, if that makes sense. The same way Lacoste and Asiasi can benefit from the high-priced additions of John New Smith and Hunter Henry at one and two, now you have Aguilar and Bourne as your one and two. That takes all this pressure off Jacoby Myers, who doesn't have to try to elevate to a one, and Nikhil Harry, who doesn't have to try to carry the lofty expectations of being a first-round draft pick. Now it's just make some plays, period, like you said. And if he can use that size to his advantage as opposed to getting run over by safeties but being the one who actually dictates the tempo and the presence on the play, that would be enormous for him. Um, I'd love to see it. Uh, Last one, I think we might have a competition at Kicker Guy. I thought Nick Folk was locked in. Uh, I thought this was like a done deal and Quinn Norton was just kind of like, you know, a fun little value add because they always like to bring in some Udfas every year and someone – Somehow, some way, one always makes the team. That guy has a cannon for a leg. That's Jake Bailey, the place kicker. I mean, he's a little, he's not nearly as big as, as Jake Bailey, but dude, he was blasting him Friday night. Nine for nine in the practice. Um, you think maybe we got a little competition on our hands? I think so. I mean, that's what we saw earlier this spring was that Nordine had, uh, had the power, you know, and it just really. Like what's, made Nick Folk, what, what, what's making Nick Folk so good is it's just consistency. You know, he's been really consistent, and that's the hardest thing, I think, for a young kicker. So Folk's been out the last couple practices, and it's, you know, kind of opened the door for Nordini. I, I mean, he, on Thursday last week when it was raining, Folk was first out, didn't have a great day, had some misses in the, in the inclement weather, but then, as you said, was just perfect inside the stadium i think he made two that were were 50 plus and you know with ease so his his leg is certainly intriguing i think he made every kick yesterday that that he made is you know that he attempted as well so i think you're right i think it's just going to come down for nordine he's got to continue to kick every time he gets the opportunity and and you know what belichick likes to do and and you know put the pressure on him and you know all right you get practice off that kind of stuff i'm sure there's going to be some of that stuff coming up but again once you get to joint practices preseason games that that's when Nordine he's got to make those kicks and and show them what he can do but I like it he's got the power for sure yeah I would hate to see another case of like um who's the by the way who's the left-footed punter in Super Bowl 53 who could have been MVP uh Jake Bailey what's that J- no 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 no, <laughs> no, no Ryan no. Allen Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Allen sorry I forgot his name pre, Jesus. Yeah, pre-Jake, like, Bailey, I got pre-Jake Bailey yeah the two, ne- never trust a uh, a man let alone a punter with two first <laughs> names uh 
So Ryan Allen could have been MVP of Super Bowl 53. He was so good, and his reward for having the game of his life was to be cut and replaced with Jake Bailey. Now, you could see like Belichick being so cutthroat and so in such a classic Belichickian stroke. It's like Nick Folk was the most clutch kicker in the NFL the second half of last season. His reward, get signed to a new deal and then cut and replaced by this kid <laughs> that came in with the Ricky Vaughn wild thing hair into camp and it has an absolute howitzer for a leg. Um, I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit. Yeah, that'll definitely be one uh, to keep an eye on for sure the rest of the way. Um, it's it's gonna be fun, man. There's look at look at how many different like battles and positional groups uh, and all this new talent to look at. Um, just any last thoughts uh, as we head into Thursday night, the first uh, preseason game, our first pretend football game, and anything else that has caught your eye the last couple of days? Yeah, I just I think the injuries are, are something to monitor. You know, Hunter Henry leaving early yesterday. I think Mike Reese reported he's got a, a shoulder issue that you know isn't too serious, but might cause him to miss some time. Uh, as well as Aguilar being out yesterday. So talk about all the new faces, big guys you brought in. Those were, were two of the biggest, uh, especially on offense. So I think their health bears monitoring and, and continuing to see. Otherwise, I think they've been fairly healthy in the, in the health department. Of course, uh, we can't forget Joe Cardona went out yesterday too. So I, I don't know, there Ooh. might be a new long snapper coming in here no. as well. But <laughs> you know who the backup long snapper is? It's Dietrich. Uh, and that's and that's where they were going yesterday. They had uh, Dietrich was doing it. Uh, you know, they, they, I mean, they, they were in a pinch. So I'm sure they're going to sign somebody. But this is the time of year or the time of the summer, I think, when the injuries start to add up a little bit. So, you know, if there's anything that can kind of delay or derail the excitement that we have, it, it would be injuries. So we'll see. Hopefully they make it through Washington uh, healthy. And then next week head down to Philly for some joint practices. I think that's really when we're going to start to – get a sense of who this team is any prediction for who we fall in love with thursday night because they make big catches or like run like just take off to the races oh it's got to be jj taylor i think i mean yeah, he's probably just a little again, spark yeah. plug and yeah that was what i missed most last year is not getting a chance to see jj taylor in preseason against uh you know second and third stringers so uh he's you know been kind of quiet this camp but i i think once the games kind of start that's his time to shine uh, I will see you down the stadium on Thursday night, my man. If you guys want to, you can follow. You should, most definitely. You can read his work at Patriots.com. And, of course, you can hear him on Patriots Unfiltered several times a week on Patriots.com or get the Pats Unfiltered podcast. Uh, you can follow him uh, for his sweet tweets and finalysis at Mike Duso 19 And starting Monday, September 13th, every Monday at 10 a.m., Deuce and I will be hosting Pats Cast. Uh, on the Patriots official Facebook page where we recap uh, the previous day, night, game, etc. Take your questions and just offer our Wayne and Garth style uh, Patriots perspective. (laughs) Try to work through the result of whatever happened. Uh, we got to figure out, put it in context for ourselves. Right. You bring the dunks, I'll bring the beers. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for joining me today, man. It was great. Great words as always, and I'll see you Thursday night, okay? Bye, Fitz. Be good. See you later. Mike Dusso from Patriots.com joining the show here today. All right. Just a couple final thoughts. That was some, that was some great stuff. Uh, I can't wait for the game on Thursday night. Patriots versus WIFT. Uh, Patriots versus football team or TWIFT, whatever you like to call them. The Washington football team and Ron Rivera coming to town. Uh, props to Ron Rivera, by the way, for joking with the media the other day when somebody said, uh, thanks, Ron, uh, as his press conference ended. And Ron Rivera said, um, 
uh, you mean thanks, coach, right? And the room froze for a second. Then he said, just kidding. Uh, he would never take himself that seriously. And the room laughed. Good for him because all those Jason Garretts and everyone else out there, Deion Sanders, call me coach, please. Come on now. You're not a doctor. You're not a lawyer. You're a football coach for a positional grouping coach, usually no less. Come on, let's knock that, knock that off. I think it's going to be a great, great night Thursday. Weather looks good. The fans will be back in the stadium. It's going to be packed. I'll be down there trying to relay some of the sights and the sounds um, from the game, but also pregame as well, since I love to focus on the fans and tell their story. And it'll just be so great. This will be, if it was 580 days last Friday night, it'll have been 586 days since fans could actually see a game. Granted, this is a pretend one. But should be it's going to be awesome. Football is back at, at the Razor Thursday night. Uh, can't wait. So make sure you follow me at FitzyGFY for all uh, the, the in-game tweets, the perspective, uh, the pregame fun, finalysis, and more. Lastly, uh, just wanted to pay some tribute, give some props, hip-hops, and whatnot to uh, those that made their way into Canton to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh Man, nothing makes me feel older. Well, first, nothing makes me feel older than when I try to like, uh, like read the top forty music chart. That literally makes me feel like my bones are, you know, uh, about to break, or that I need to take a calcium supplement. My God! But uh, something else that makes you feel older is when the guys that you grew up watching, rooting for, had on your like first fantasy team. Now they're all, et cetera. They're all making the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like. Watching Troy Polamalu and Edger and James, just a, a couple of them, not Steve Atwater as much maybe, but like watching those guys get enshrined in the Hall of Fame, I, I forgot, they haven't been around, they haven't played in five, six years. And then they had full, giant, successful, pro football Hall of Fame worthy careers. Wow, life, Ferris Bueller was right. Life does move pretty quickly if uh, uh, if, you don't, if you don't stop and notice or I forget how the quote goes. See, there's another sign of aging, forgetting quotes from your favorite movies. Come on, Nick. You can remember that. Uh, but anyway, you guys understand what I'm saying. But uh, I, I do want to just take a minute and, and uh, salute Peyton Manning, um, or as I like to call I used to call him when I was making video, uh, making more uh, wild webcasts, the, the Wicked Piss of webcasts, I used to call him on YouTube. Uh, I used to call him Satan Manning because he was such an, such an adversary. Uh, uh, there was really just, there was nothing better than Brady Manning. Brady Manning was the best. Uh, you know, I mean... Think about it. Like whenever the NFL schedule used to be released, you would always look for the Colts Pats game. And then ultimately like the Broncos Pats game as well. But like it was really Colts Pats back in the day, like the 2003 game where McGinnis makes the play on Edger and James in the last minute to beat them in the RCA dome. Epic 2007. They were both undefeated. Um, I was actually at that game. It was an impossible ticket to get one of the highest rated NFL regular season games ever. That'll be replaced on October 3rd by Bucks Pats, but I digress. I'm not ready for that yet, emotionally or, meant, or psychologically. Uh, yeah, Brady Manning. He gave great rival. He was an awesome adversary. Uh, they really, you could argue, like, you know, you know, Fr you know, Frazier Ali. Think of like what was better than what was the greatest rivalry, the greatest you know mano y mano rivalry in all sports. Uh, you could argue that Brady Manning may have been the great. It certainly was the greatest in the modern NFL, maybe in NFL history. And I would say in the last 25 or 50 years in sports, nothing was better than Brady versus Manning. Brady getting the best of them all time, 11 to 6. Manning getting the better of Brady in the AFC championships. I believe that was 2 to 1. Uh, the 2006 AFC championship will forever haunt my dreams, just like Super Bowl 42. Uh, 2015. 
Somehow Owen Daniels shakes Jamie Collins twice for two easy touchdowns. Gaskowski misses the extra point. That Brady takes a biblical beating, yet somehow finds Gronk on that bomb later, gets a touchdown to him, doesn't go to him for the two-point conversion. Uh, those are two more Super Bowls Brady could have gone to him one when he was with the Patriots. Yes, they also could have lost a, uh, a bunch that they won as well. So, yeah, six is the appropriate number there. But, um, yeah, Peyton Manning. Listen, without Peyton Manning, I don't have a lot of content that I was able to produce over the years. We don't have this great rivalry. We don't have these epic battles. We don't have Manning face. We don't have all those commercials that Peyton made. Uh, cut that meat. He's a really sneaky, funny guy on top of it. He's got a great personality. Um, his brother is a dream-robbing son of a blank, but that's okay. That, that's for a different episode. Um, but Peyton definitely should be remembered and revered by all football fans, not just Colts fans, not just uh, Broncos fans. Pats fans, I think they definitely would give him a big salute and uh, buy him a beer, have to be a Budweiser, maybe accompanied by a slice of Papa John's. Uh, but yeah, man, Peyton Manning really was something else. And I want to share this last little something from last night when Peyton was giving his speech. Um, something dangerous may have happened. Well, first of all, Peyton kind of turned his acceptance speech into a bit of a roast, which was fantastic because Peyton's, like I said, sneaky funny. Uh, but he took a moment to take a shot at his longtime adversary and dear friend, Tom Brady. But Peyton, uh, he doesn't have to worry about Brady anymore because he's been retired five years and now he's got his giant, giant bust in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's got his gold jacket. He's good. The rest of the league still has to worry about and deal with Tom Brady. Um, so sorry, NFL. Peyton, Peyton may have made life a bit more difficult for you guys uh, last night when he decided to say this about Tom Brady. Notice they're booing Tom Brady as he mentions it, as he mentions him. Gets the crowd to boo Brady. Okay. All right. Solid line. Solid line. Solid line from Peyton there. Solid, solid line. No disagreeing that that's a solid line by Peyton. However, the reason why I mentioned that this could be dangerous for the rest of the NFL is uh, Tom's got a sense of humor about himself. He can laugh about the fact, you know, of course, he's pay Peyton's, you know, mocking but paying tribute to the fact that Brady is an ageless wonder and could very well play into his mid to late 50s. I always used to joke when he was on the Patriots that in the battle of Tom versus time, the name of his Facebook docuseries, uh, I know who's undefeated yet. I know who my money's on and it's not father time. Brady's un unbelievable. I mean, he's 43 now, 44 years old now and still playing some of the best football of his life. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, TFB is TFB, and that's how he be. Um, but the fact that he got him booed in a public forum, just want to remind everyone this. The last time that Tom Brady was booed out loud in a public forum was at Super Bowl 50, which Peyton went to because he snuck out that win against Brady's Pats in the AFC Championship in Denver. And they honored the 50 greatest players of all time at Super Bowl 50 whatever that whole pre-show routine was. And they introduced Tom Brady and he gets booed in his hometown. He gets booed at Levi stadium in Santa Clara, California, outside San Francisco. And he gets so mad that he texts Edelman from the field 
and he writes, everybody effing, ha- every, like, after he got booed, he te- texts Julian Edelman, everybody effing hates us. Let's win the whole damn thing next year. And guess what the Patriots did? In the most dramatic fashion of all time. 28-3. to They won the next Super Bowl. Great. So now, basically, Tom Brady's going to be on a mission to silence all those critics, even though he should not have any critics because he is peerless and inarguably the greatest of all time. But thanks, Peyton. One last little punch right in the you-know-what on the way out the door, huh? You son of a blank. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of New England Training Camp Live, brought to you by Odyssey Sports. My name is Nick Stevens. Feel free to call me Fitzy. Follow me on the socials at FitzyGFY. And, of course, you can hear me on the WEEI Airwaves 93.7 FM in Boston or on the Odyssey app or WEEI.com. Looking forward to Thursday night's game, Patriots versus Washington football team, 7 p.m. at Gillette Stadium. I'll be back on Friday with some fresh takes on the game, the sights and the sounds, and so much more. Until then, everybody take care of yourselves. Uh, Be sure to follow Odyssey and Odyssey Sports. Download the Odyssey app. Uh, Drink up. God bless. And let's go, Pats. See you, everybody.